0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Erica Keswin about the importance of rituals in the workplace. Erica Keswin, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from New York. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Today, we're going to be focusing on the importance of rituals in the workplace. Now, there's a lot of academic literature on this topic, lots of practitioner oriented work on this topic. It's clear that rituals are important. Um, It's also clear that it's not always easy to establish meaningful rituals in the workplace, mm-hmm. and it's probably even more challenging during COVID times when so many people are virtual, or we have some people in person, some people virtual, or people you know in a hybrid work arrangement. So today we're going to be exploring uh, the importance of these rituals and how we can go about developing them, creating them, maintaining them, and sustaining them over time even when we're in a virtual or a hybrid type of work arrangement. As we get started, I wanted to share Erica's bio with everybody. Erica Keswin is a best-selling author, internationally sought-after speaker, and founder of The Spaghetti Project, a roving ritual devoted to sharing the science and stories of relationships at work. She helps top-of-the-class businesses, organizations, and individuals improve their performance by honoring relationships in every context, always with an eye towards high tech for human touch, and was named one of Marshall Goldsmith's uh, top 100 coaches in 2020, as well as one of Business Insider's most innovative coaches of 2020. She is the author of two best-selling books, Bring Your Human to Work, 10 Surefire Ways to Design a Workplace That's Good for People, Great for Business, and Just Might Change the World, from McGraw Hill in 2018, and Rituals Roadmap, The Human Way to Transform Everyday Routines into Workplace Magic with McGraw Hill in 2021. What a tremendous background you have. It's a pleasure to have you. And anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we launch on into the conversation?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that pretty well covers it. I'd say on the personal front, I'm a mom. I have three teenagers. i uh, not sure. I know this is mostly audio, but you can probably see all the gray hair um, from, uh, having three, three teenagers, um, and a great dog and, uh, just happy to be here.
0: Yeah. And I can relate. I also have three teenage daughters, um, right now. (laughs) So it's, it's always an adventure, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. It is.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, so let's, uh, actually first, I would love to just hear a little bit about your path and how you became, uh, how you found yourself in this space uh, as a coach, working um, with Spaghetti Project and uh, the work that you do there, and then we can dive on in more specifically to the, the the rituals and how we go about doing that.
1: Great. So my background is is a mix of of business and psychology, which is how I got into the human capital space for the last 25 years. Really helping companies improve performance through their people, whether that's looking at who they recruit and how they recruit their training systems, their organizational structure—you know, all of what many people call or called um, the the softer side of business. I always laugh. I'm like, some people say it, they don't always say it to my face. I would push back and say that the soft stuff is, is really often the hard stuff and some of the most important stuff especially in light of the pandemic and what is going on right now.
0: Agreed. So,
1: you know, (laughs) I loved in your intro, you know, a lot of this work is is even, and people that didn't believe in the importance of it, perhaps pre-pandemic, are now realizing that if they want to stay connected and build relationships with their employees in the midst of this great resignation, which is real, um, for the record, they need to be able to build these relationships, whether their employees are in the office, you know, at home, or really anywhere in between. So I came in it through through that lens. And my approach is both sharing the data and the science behind why this stuff is important, and also the stories of, of who's doing what and how do they do it, and to show leaders, and I'm sure we'll get into some of this today, that it's not rocket science, doesn't make it easy, but there are some real tangible things that really anybody can do to, to move the needle, um, especially in these turbulent times.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's not rocket science, but it's not easy. Um, you, you have to, I, I guess the hardest thing about it, I mean, th- there are complexities around this, and we'll, we'll get into some of that today, uh, but largely, it's just about being deliberate and consistent over an extended period of time. And that level of intentionality and attention is the hardest thing <laughs> that you have to do um, with the, the general area not being rocket science. Uh, but, we, but people really struggle to, to be consistent with it. And because we, we have so many different priorities, we have so many different things vying for our attention and organizational leaders often find themselves running around like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to put out fires, just trying to keep, you know, the day-to-day movement of the organization moving forward. Uh, and so they, they, these things end up getting kind of left by the wayside so often, even when the good intentions are there and people recognize the importance of it, right? As we uh, get into this, why don't you lay out some of the science behind the role of rituals in the workplace? Why is that important? What do we know about the the, uh, the saliency of that, the relevancy of it, and how impactful it can be for our people, for our teams, and for our organizations?
1: Great. So I'll, I'll give you some background. You know, After I wrote Bring Your Human to Work, I didn't necessarily think I was going to dive in and write another book right away. And I had this epiphany one day. That when i look back at all of these leaders hundreds of people that i had interviewed for bring your human to work one of the things that they had in common one of the through lines was that many of them were using rituals as a way to stay connected to their colleagues to their direct reports to their clients to their boss and even to themselves and they all weren't necessarily calling it a ritual but i, I really was able to to connect the dots and see that through line so I decided to do some investigating into the science of rituals. And so I'd love to start by defining what a ritual is in this context so that we're all on the same page as the leaders listen, you know, as people listening to this podcast can then apply it to their own lives. So a ritual has three parts to it. The first is it's something to which we assign a certain amount of meaning and intention, number one. Number two, with a ritual, there's typically a regular cadence. It could be something that we do every morning. It could be something that we do once a week in a team meeting. It could be something we do once a year, you know, in our end of the year celebration. The third part though, was something I hadn't really considered. And that is a ritual is something that goes beyond its practical purpose. So I'm sitting here um, you know, in New York City, and let's say my lights were to go out and I were to light a candle so that I could see what I'm doing. That's not a ritual, but if I light a candle, let's say every day at six o'clock to signify the end of the workday and the beginning of my time at home with my three teenagers, um, that, that is a ritual that I'm not lighting that candle to you know, see what I'm writing. It's because there's meaning and intention behind it. So that, that's the definition of a ritual. Now, why are we talking about rituals at work? And, and I, as we said in the beginning, coming from the softer side of business, I like to think about things in terms of their ROI. So what do rituals give us? The science is, is very clear. Number one, it gives us a sense of, of belonging, of psychological safety. And we know, you know, when people listen to podcasts like yours and others in the human capital space, I mean, that is something that's becoming increasingly more important for people. Um, The second is that rituals give us a sense of an opportunity to connect to purpose. And I call this the three Ps. And you add the first P, psychological safety, together with the second P, purpose, you get the third P, which is increased performance. And what I mean by that is when you feel connected and have some type of ritual when you feel that you know, coming together in that sense of connectedness, your oxytocin, your feel-good hormone goes up. Cortisol, your stress goes down. And at work, there's so many studies, but one that I'll share is that when you feel that sense of belonging, your um, collaboration, those scores go up by up by 47% and productivity by up by 50%. So the science is there um and about why it's important to feel connected to people at work.
0: Yeah, and that connection, that community, we are social animals, we are human beings need connection. Even the most introverted among us still needs some sort of uh social connection and, yeah. and those people they can rely on. And and rituals are are one of those ways to establish that community, to establish that shared meaning. Um and not not to get into the 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 extent of like say, tribalism, but but clearly we need to have some shared language and some shared um, meaning ways of meaning making so that we are cohesive as a group, right? right and right. And so often, you know, we talk about rituals, I'm guessing the vast majority of people, you know, when they hear the word ritual, they're probably thinking about like religious rituals, right? And and we we know various religious traditions have, you know, their own sets of, of rituals, perhaps your family has your own set of traditions and rituals um, that you do consistently over time that helps bond the family together. Yeah, we had
1: talked Tuesday.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there's so many. and And sometimes they can be really kind of these what may seem as more formal types of rituals, like you talked about the candles, um, or or something more informal, um, you know Taco Tuesday, or maybe you have pizza night every Friday, or right. you know whatever, right? Like families do all sorts of things to to bring uh, their family together to make them more cohesive. And the fact of the matter is, we need to do this in the workplace as well. So if I'm leading a team of people, um, you know they're each human beings that have social needs. And maybe a lot of those social needs are being met outside of the workplace. Uh, in an ideal world, you know, people have a variety of social circles and they have different people they can connect with. Um, there was a recent study that actually showed, uh, I think it was put out by Harvard Business Review, um, that one in five um, younger millennial and Gen Z uh, individuals say they don't have a single friend. Yeah. Um, which is heartbreaking. And if, if that's true, uh, then that only raises the stakes <laughs> for us within the organizational setting to create that sense of belonging, connectedness, uh, shared meaning. Uh, and so that's, that's where these rituals come in. Now, we're, we're not talking about religious rituals in the workplace. So what are some of the types of things we might choose to do at work uh, to bring in meaningful rituals? and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
1: So the way that I structured the book was to look at rituals around and across the employee experience. So starting with Rituals around onboarding and recruiting, rituals in our meetings, rituals, there's a whole chapter on eatings, Um, your rituals around how we eat together online or in person, rituals around celebrating milestones, rituals around professional development. And what was so interesting when I asked leaders what some of their organizational rituals were, even when I asked them and explained, you know, this is the definition of a ritual. Sometimes they weren't sure. So I was able to, after a number of these interviews, came up with a question, sort of this magic question that when I asked the question, the leader, I literally could almost see the light bulb coming out of their head going, I got it. That's our ritual. So I'm going to share the magic question with you and your listeners. Um, So I asked this question, for example, to Marisa Andrada, who's the chief HR officer at Chipotle, pretty much asked this question of everybody. And the question is... Um, When do employees at Chipotle feel most Chipotle-ish, you know, or most LinkedIn-ish, you know, and you just fill in the blank with your company. And when I asked it to Marisa, she said, wow, um, we have many, but the one that jumps out is at Chipotle, you know, they open at 630 in the morning to start chopping up the lettuce and making the guacamole and they open at 10:30 a.m. which for the record who knew how many people like deep burritos that early in the morning but they do and their ritual is at 10:15 before those doors open everybody all the associates they've been there for a couple hours they sit around the table and they eat together and i was lucky enough pre-pandemic i got to go and sit with them and have a meal with them and they're shooting the breeze and they're connecting as people and i and i saw i mean i was able to like literally see connections that happen and you know there's a there's a pretty famous study out of cornell that found that um firefighters who are the most dedicated to the ritual of the firehouse meal eating together it correlates with higher levels of performance and those firefighters save more lives and i could see that at this chipotle meal where you know it may not be saving lives in the same way But the more that people got to know each other when, you know, fast forward two hours later and there's a line around the block and stresses are high, having built those connections and they told me these these stories. So that was really interesting. Um, Other, another really fun example, very different kind of example was one of the co-founders of Allbirds, you know, those cool felt shoes um, shared with me that they have a ritual that started very organically and authentically where you know, one of their employees early on wasn't feeling well and went to the doctor and decided to set some health goals for himself. So he came back to the office one day and he said, you know what, this is my goal. I'm going to do this many push-ups between now and the end of the year. And he took that number and he divided it by the number of days left in the year and he got 40. And so he started doing 40 push-ups every every day. And, that, and if he did that every day, he'd meet his goal. So lo and behold, you know, to your point, we spent a lot of time these days at work, um, and he was started doing them at work. And the guy next to him joined in, and the woman down the hall joined. And before they knew it, everybody was doing these push-ups. So it became forty at four, and either people did the push-ups, they watched everybody doing the push-ups, but it came almost this healthier version of the smoke break where people stopped and chit-chatted and caught up on their, you know, crazy teenagers or whatever they have going on. And I was able to circle back with many of the companies in the book before it was published to see how they were adopting these rituals during the pandemic and, you know, they kept this going. During the pandemic, they were doing it. People were making videos at home of themselves doing the push-ups and they shared, you know, really meaningful stories with me about how it helped them continue to stay connected, you know, during a really hard time. And these videos were funny and it reminded them of, you know, that second P and the three P's, it reminded purpose, it reminded them, you know, why they do what they do every day. And so, you know, it's, it's, when I was coming up with the subtitle of the book, which you referenced, it's, you know, the human way, you know, rituals can transform everyday routines into workplace magic. I was like, can I really use that word magic? But I'm telling you, when these rituals stick, like there is something really magical about it.
0: Well, yeah, and I don't mean to keep coming back to like spirituality and religion, but there's a reason why right. all the spiritual traditions in the world have rituals, um, because right. there, there is something um, that elevates us when yeah. we're able to just do these things consistently. Mindfulness practices are part of it, Right. And so like doing the push-up thing, there's nothing magical about doing push-ups per se, but just having the consistency, the tradition and right. this thing that everyone just kind of knows that they're gonna do, all of a sudden you have that opportunity to connect in, in ways that then other meanings get derived from, even though that thing itself doesn't actually do it, right? And that's right. the
1: magic of it. Right. And, and during the pandemic, especially another part of, the definition of a ritual, it does give us some order out of chaos. And this consistency, to your point, the predictability. And when things were feeling so, you know, nobody was going into the office and things that everybody's lives were turned upside down. It's like, you know what? At four o'clock, we know we're going to have 40 at four. And that makes us feel safe. It makes us feel connected. Um, and there is something to that.
0: Yeah. And and you mentioned you have three uh, neat 3D- teenage daughters i i have six children three teenage daughters and three younger children and i'll tell you the the kids like the older they get the more independent they are but there's still value in structure <laughs> right so structure yeah. at home helps it helps everyone in terms of the psychological and emotional safety same thing in the workplace not that we need to like be controlling and have so much structure that you know we have the day subdivided into all these tiny pieces and we're like nobody's saying we, we should be doing like a ritual every hour, um, but having something meaningful, some sort of structure, some sort of scaffolding around the connectivity piece uh, and the ability for people to feel that they belong, uh, having something like that in, in, in the predictability and structure in an otherwise chaotic kind of a world and endless uncertainty that has value that has a huge amount of value you've already mentioned a couple examples of of during the pandemic how some organizations have kind of adapted Uh, that is one of the bigger challenges right Uh, cultural uh, elements of an organization uh, more generally are challenging when you have people you know distributed all over and and not coming in person and only connecting via zoom or teams or whatever um, if maybe if it's a hybrid arrangement maybe it's less challenging but I, I think we're still in this kind of new world organizations struggled with meaningful rituals pre-pandemic uh, it's not magically going to get easier now that work has become more complex so what are some of your ideas uh, around how we can do this effectively in a virtual setting or in a hybrid kind of a work arrangement
1: I think it it goes back to the word that you used in the beginning, which is about being intentional. You know, I have a podcast also, it's called Left to Our Own Devices, you know, excusing the cheesy pun, but Left to Our Own Devices, we're not connecting, especially in this remote and hybrid world, that we've got to, you know, go in with a plan. And so, for example, you know, if you're having a meeting and there are, you know, some people are remote and, and some people are in person. Um, and you want to have an opportunity to check in. Um, you let your introverts know you, know you let them know what's coming. You know for example, one leader said that they still want to keep checking in, but in the, in the midst of, of the pandemic, people were checking in for 60 minutes of a 60 minute meeting. You know we all need to get work done now, but we need to continue to check in with each other because things, aren't back to what they were and they may never be. And so if you have some people remote and some people in the office, things like you know, going around and, and checking in, um, a fun ritual that somebody shared recently that they started in this new world of work is everybody just give one adjective that describes how they're showing up that day. So if you as the leader you know, there's a couple of things that it can give you interesting data. If everybody says that there couldn't be better and are giving these great adjectives, you might have a culture where people don't have that sense of safety to tell you what's really going on. Um, If someone does share that, you know, an adjective that that shows that there is something going on, it gives you the opportunity to follow up later, to check in on a a deeper level. Another leader shared sort of a red light, green light, you know, yellow light ritual. You know, when you address the structure question, I I like the idea of let's say it's let's say you have your weekly meeting maybe once a month. Even the people that are in the office call in, so everybody is remote. And it goes back to sort of democratizing um, these experiences when when we were all calling in from home because I think that's going to be an ongoing issue from an inclusion perspective. If we don't have these rules of the road, um, you know, people that are in the office. You know, the people are at home are, are gonna begin to feel left out. So then you know, you wanna have your rituals, but then you wanna have, the, you know, I like the word scaffolding that you use, these rules of the road that help sort of protect the rituals and protect the culture. So it might be like after the meeting, it, when the meeting ends and you press leave on the Zoom screen, it really ends. And so you try to get the people that are in the office to say, we're not gonna keep discussing this because of the impact it's having on everybody else. I've also been doing a lot of work these days with companies to help design their in-person days. And that's a real passion of mine. You know, as you said, we're just getting into this right now. But what I, what I don't wanna see happen is a leader says, okay, you know, we're all gonna start coming back in. And then everybody comes back in, but they're alone together. And they feel like, well, I could be doing this in New Jersey, why am I schlepping into New York City for this meeting? And so we've got to be intentional and almost thinking about this in the way of creating new rituals that you know we're going to start coming in, you know, twice a month or twice a week, and this is how we're going to begin the day. This is how we're going to end the day, and really making sure that these in-person days that, there are, that they have goals that, that our focus is on things that we can't do when we're remote. And that, again, it goes back to, I think it's the big takeaway today in this talk it's about those days and those times together really need to be intentional. Or um I worry that people are going to be like, well, why am I coming in? And, you know, there's no purpose behind it.
0: Yeah. And that's super frustrating. As much as people like, you know, getting together in person, especially if they haven't been around each other for a while, you know, there's genuine Connection that can happen in person, even if the, the circumstances don't require it, that gets pretty frustrating pretty quickly, especially right. if someone and just had a newness, long commute. Right. Yep.
1: That newness is gonna
0: it you wears know, off.
1: <laughs> and the high fives and the newness, you're like, okay, now really did I need to commute all this time for this? Really? I,
0: exactly. And so,
1: you know, you want to make sure and it's a great opportunity for new rituals. And one, I mean, we could talk about rituals all day, but you know, one of the other things to think about as I would say two things, like for listeners saying, well, huh, where could I start with this? I, it's why I called the book Rituals Roadmap. Map out the roadmap in your company and say to yourself, you know, when, or ask people, when do employees feel most, you know, fill in the blank, your company-ish? Maybe it's recruiting, maybe it's during a meeting, maybe it's during your annual um, celebration. And, and that's kind of where you start. And sometimes companies and groups will have rituals but they don't. They, but even just the process of identifying it, saying you know what that is our ritual, and kind of leaning into it and elevating it and celebrating it is is a great place to start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just recognizing this is going to be unique to every organization, every team. There's no one size fits all. Hopefully, that's obvious. <laughs> um, but but far too often people, you know, they look at you know a Google or some other company and they say, oh look what they're doing. We should do the same thing. Mm. I, it probably isn't going to be impactful because it didn't come from you. So, so be thoughtful about what makes sense for you and your, your team, your organization. Well, Erica, it has been a real pleasure. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a moment. But before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Great. So um, you can find me on my website, which is just my name, com. And I have you know, links to the books and to my podcast and to you know, signing up for my blog and, and articles that I've written um, and you know, all different ways to find me. I, right now I've been focusing on a lot about you know, giving keynotes and I have a new workshop that I'm offering for you know, line managers. And, and I share that because right now these line managers are really getting squeezed. They're having to manage people in an environment with unprecedented stress. They don't have the time or energy to put on their own oxygen mask on first. And, and I really worry about that group. And so I have a one pager that, you know, if anybody is listening to this and, you know, wants to reach out to me, I'm happy to send it to you. You could just email me at Erica at ericakeswin.com and say, you heard this, I'll send it right over, but it's, it's, it's called now what, you know? five things that you can do to attract and retain and engage talent in in these turbulent times. And rituals are a piece of that. Um, But I think that's, you know, we need to make sure that we're really focusing on how to be intentional and how we connect with people in our lives. Um, You know, As you said, because people are at home in the office and everywhere in between. So that's sort of my passion project at the moment. And um, again, rituals is a big piece of that.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Erica, it's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Erica and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership